everyone, and welcome back to the Dog Show Drive with Wayne and Will. I'm Wayne Cavanaugh, and this guy. No, this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Is young William Alexander. Anyway, we have a great show for you this week. I hope you appreciate our attempts at going on YouTube. It's attempt number two. We're going to be talking about respect in the sport. Come on, where's that gone? And also the importance of knowing the history and function of the breeds, especially paying attention to the low-entry breeds that often don't get enough studying. All that and more right here on the Dog Show Drive. Well, good morning there, Will. How are you, bud? I haven't seen you in a week. Uh, I'm good, Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) How are you this morning? I'm exhausted. Yeah. (laughs) But we shall carry on. Our energy to each other is like our tea and coffee. Did you say, you know, or YouTube, I can show you this really cool um, coffee mug. For beaglers, you have to have one, right? Exactly. My teacup. And it's got a, you know, this is great for, it's like a tea cozy will. Just contact willalexander.net. That's right. He sells them. (laughs) This is actually Eddie Zook on the top of the doghouse. I don't know. Anyway, Mr. Beagle. So here we are, uh, our second week at YouTube. Our first week was fine. We're trying to get better every week. Um, Any of you whippersnappers that know how to turn on a, you know, like a, a, if anybody knows how to change like the microwave clock, there probably are people. Exactly. I can't, or when, my, when, when the time changes in my car, like when the time changes and I can't change it in my mm-hmm. car. Just wait. I just leave just it there for a year. <laughs> for a year <laughs> <be fine>. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Anyway, well, where were you this weekend? Did you stay home? Or? No, no, I went to a local dog show in uh, Burlington, Ontario, uh, Irene Latchford's Kennel Club. It was a nice little show, well run, uh, good weather, two really good buildings to work out of. Um, got to see my friends, and and uh, yeah, it was it was fun. It was local, so I could drive back and forth. It was like forty minutes away. Yeah. So. Were you giving the ribbons out or collecting the ribbons? I was showing. Show? I was showing my two dogs. I showed the Irish Setter and the Beagle. Collecting I, I, the ribbons. I, pardon me. Collecting the ribbons. Not collecting them. the ribbons, and yeah, it was fun. Yeah. yeah. It's always fun. You see all your friends compete with them and, you know, show the dogs. And I like that part of it. Of course. Who doesn't? Well, I don't. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I'll see it. To, what the, yeah. In a day or two, right? Yeah. I leave. We, I leave tomorrow. I have huh? to drive to Michigan. And we'll, we'll see each other Friday, I guess, unless you go in tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I do know this is you're, the way this is working, ladies and gentlemen, is there are two cocker specialties, um, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Will's doing the morning, I'm doing the afternoon, which means I can't watch him judge, but he can watch me judge. Right. Because if I watch Will judge, I'm clearly going to do everything he does. We all know that's how it works. Yeah. Hell, you know? You see a little earbud in my ear, you know what's going on. I'm asking me. <laughs> I'm behind the tent. No, 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 no. <laughs> Her shoes don't match. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I've mentioned before, but I love, I forget whose idea it was. Could have been Glassford, but I'm not certain. It was a, re- and whoever, whoever thought they had the idea, let me know, uh, carrying a red flag and a yellow flag and a green flag. And when you're walking by a ring, if a judge is about to do something really stupid, you throw out the warning, just throw yellow flags in the yep. ring, like the warnings. Uh, Alexander's uh, if, got another yellow flag. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you if you've got if you're right in it and it looks like you can do the right thing, the green flags go. And if you're done, you screw it up. And yeah, come man. the Reds. In yeah. come the Reds. Just pull you out of there. And yeah, I think there should be a team of those people walking around <laughs> tossing but it the flags. Who has the ribbons? Who was who we're gonna, you know, yeah. listen to? So that's true. You know, speaking of that, I didn't want to get into this right away, but now I do. Um, because it reminds me of ribbons and ribbon snatching. Ah. Yeah, we talk about this from time to time. But, you know, I got a great uh, couple messages from a wonderful judge and listener up your way. And we can say respect all we want. But why is it that it's so different these days? It's because it reflects the general lack of respect in the world and government. Name calling, I'm better than you, no respect for authority. Oh, it's got to be something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and and it's instant gratification, so they all want to win right away, no matter what. It and it's, but you're right. I've never seen when I was a kid. I've never seen the name calling you see now of right. government officials. Of yeah, you know, it just does. It just doesn't happen. It never happened. You know, you're Please. afraid to say such things. You know, mm-hmm. a great, you know Gareth Woods, who I mentioned last week, he's a Chicago policeman. You wrote a great song about being a policeman, and the chorus is. You respect me, I'll respect you, and we'll both go home to our families tonight, alive. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying it's life or death in the ring, although sometimes you'd think it is. But, you know, when a person goes third and fourth and smiles genuinely and takes their ribbon and says thank you, that makes my day. Because that's how I'm giving them out, too. Right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, it's not that hard. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just a matter of, I guess it's not in the times, but... You're the, when you're the judge, it's your ring. And if you don't like it, come back, go pay somebody else next weekend, get get a different opinion if you don't like ours. Um, the whole, we're lacking respect in the sport. And if you don't have respect for the sport, what do you have? Like, it, really, because yeah. I, I got into this sport because I love the dogs and I found it exciting. And as I grew up, as I grew older, I got to learn the history of it all. And there were certain people that it just instilled that respect on me. Right. I can still remember working for Bobby Stevens and he, him taking me over to meet Dick Cooper. And he said, if he, this is Dick Cooper. This is the God of sporting dog handlers. You, you know, react to him appropriately. Yeah. And I did. I almost, I almost bowed. <laughs> you yeah. know? And that's just mm-hmm. how, how he tried to push things at me. It was just respect, respect, respect. Working for Forsyth, let me tell you, <laughs> yeah. you don't show respect. And if you don't call the clients by the right names in the right fashion and know when to talk and not want to talk, that's where we learned it. And I can tell you that Bob was always a gentleman in the ring. Um, yeah, he could be a hard ass. We all know that. That was part of his charm. But if he lost with a top winning dog, he congratulated the winner every time and walked out the same way he walked in. I don't know why it's that hard. You're paying us for an opinion. It doesn't mean you have to like our opinion. <laughs> and those opinions change. Of course, we talked about that, judging on the day, the surface, the day, yeah. the conditioning of the dog, all those things matter. But it just seems to slip. And I think what we need to do, we have real good reps right now, a good bunch of them anyway. We need to stop and just go, I'm sorry. We're going to talk about this with a rep right now. Yeah. Nip it in the bud. We you need know, reps up here. It. We don't have. We have directors up here, but they don't have the same kind of power. They can't do those type of things. Um, well, they can snatch ribbon and yell at you too, from what I understand. <laughs> exactly, and that's what, that's what 
happens. I remember one time, I'm not going to say any names of the officials or anything. Their initials are. (laughs) (laughs) Simon Briggs was over here. He was working for me and and I got stuck in a ring. So he took my boxer special in. And the judge was judging, and uh, the, my boxer special was quite competitive. He'd won best in shows. So he, the judge judging was a, a local judge. You know, he, he, they had bred some good dogs over the years. Simon, the judge ends up giving Simon best of winners with my champion dog and getting all confused, giving best of breed to a certain dog, best of winners to my dog. And so he got all confused, and Simon got like he couldn't. He couldn't explain himself to the judge, and they started arguing. And he called me, and he said, "Who's the rep here? I want to call the rep because this is this man is being." I said, "He just gave the rep best of breed." <laughs> yeah. So good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you never know. But really, we do need to start. They're great, and they they take it on, and they fortunately. Most of them have the respect of most exhibitors, and it's the way to do it. You bring it up, they have the hammer. You know, they can suspend you or not or recommend it. If they snatch ribbon or, or don't, you can you call them right there. And maybe it's not bench show hearing worthy. That's not the point. You can have the you can say, stand here, I want to talk to a rep with you without calling a bench show hearing, but let them have that lecture and let them know next time we're not putting up with this. People don't understand how short the time is that we're in there deciding on their dogs. And yes, granted, sometimes some good dogs get overlooked or for certain reasons. But usually it's the fault of the situation, the handler, the on training. It's the overall package that ends up winning in two minutes. It really is. When we see that. Right. We're not looking the other way. Exactly. And our yeah, back has turned a lot yeah. because you have a class of 10. Our back has turned a lot because we're looking at yeah. one by one. Yeah. We can't see the dogs shining out there behind our back. We see you putting together a puzzle in front of us. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's Sometimes it makes it it's difficult. You know, you, it is. And the breeds, we've talked about this, the breeds that you're really confident in, really super, you know, your breed. You can usually find those when they're not standing well or not moving well. Oh, for um, sure. But we can't always do that with every breed. We don't have that opportunity yet, and it takes time to do it, too. So, yeah, it's it's a real – I just think that every judge, every, I mean, every handler, every exhibitor, every rep, quite frankly, should go in there and try it a couple of times, and maybe they'd understand uh, what goes into this. We try our best. That's what yeah, we do. You're, you're focusing on the dog in front of you, and, and maybe the dog – Two dogs back is freestanding and hitting a, a portrait of a free stack that just blows you away. I don't see it. I'm yeah. watching the dog in front of me. So. I mean, I'd like to say it's not about presentation because for me it isn't. I'll give more allowance than many, more leeway. Um, but it is a matter of can you find it when it's there. It's not just about presentation. It's also about training and training yourself yeah. and, and all those different things. You're in there with a bunch of people that have d- devoted their life to this sport. And you've got to be if you're you've got to be right there. We can all start off with a most people start off with a well-bred dog. Yeah. What you do with that dog is up to you. You know. Yeah. And I think you know we we also have to look at the other way around. Um, we have to respect the exhibitors too. Give them the appropriate amount of time and speak fairly and evenly to everybody. And we have to, I find that I'm a pretty pleasant guy in the ring and a talker and all that. And I get that vibe back from most exhibitors. If you go in there being a stern, pompous, 
guy that looks down on everybody, you're going to not set the right situation. Oh, sure. It's like in, you know, and I've talked, I, I, I mentioned this maybe years ago, but uh, in medicine, the doctors who get sued for malmed are the jerks. The nice guys who screw up, everyone's like, yeah, he's a nice guy. Oh, he's such a nice guy, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> it doesn't hurt to be pleasant. I don't, I don't need that baby finger. Yeah. <laughs> It, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt to be pleasant in the ring. I'm not saying you have to be Mr. Gregarious and uh, Mr. Congeniality, but you do have to at least look like you're enjoying it and, and make them feel welcomed. You know, yeah. it's a sport. We're supposed to have fun. I mean, I'm not saying it's supposed to be goofy, but we're supposed to be polite and pleasant. Well, I like goofy make it, sometimes. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when you're goofy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm the goofy one. <laughs> right. You got. Someone's got to be the goofy one. <laughs> but, that guy. Oh, where, yeah. no, that guy. Wait, that guy. Wait, hey, I did it right. Well, look, I got it right the first time. Well, that's we we thought we had it right. And, I know. Is that right? If I got you pointing at you, no, I'm not. Now I'm pointing now, at you. Now you're pointing at me. Yeah. Okay. But I'm with this guy. Put our heads together on this issue, Will. We could just fall off the screen yeah. now so that we this platform so to deal with. Yeah. So. We are just so professional. Anyway, <laughs> um, so this weekend we're judging Cocker Specialties, and I think it's good. We have a good entry. It's yeah. a good part of the country for it. It's a great club, and there's shows after for the weekend. So I've got this conundrum. This is Friday we're judging, right? On Sunday, there might be, it's right on the cusp, a major in Spinoni's. The judge on Saturday hasn't judged them long enough. So I wouldn't get an observation point for that or an apprentice point. The judge on Sunday has. So I would have to stay three nights. I can just drive up, judge the cockers and drive home. It's only two and a half hours. But I would stay three nights in a hotel, hope the major holds on Sunday and stay Friday, Saturday and Sunday hoping the major holds so I could observe Spinoni's and get one point. Spinoni, whatever it is, and get one point. I don't know, Will. I just, I know that breed pretty well. I've had, I had a great experience with Dana Klein um, apprenticing. Do I want to spend three nights in a hotel? And um, when I've got a ton of stuff to do at home, I'm too involved locally with government and everything else going on. Um, our local stuff. Do I? I don't know. It seems like a big ask, but I probably it's, will. I, I shake my head every time I, I see what you guys have to do down there. Well, you in particular, because yeah, I hear it firsthand. I, I get it. I, I, it's, it, it sounds so frustrating, but yeah. well, we're fair to everybody. Everybody gets the same. It's the same. Everybody gets to spend three nights in a hotel to maybe get one point. Yeah. So what are you going to spend, five, six hundred bucks, maybe a thousand, to hope the major holds? <laughs> and by the way, on a Sunday is when it doesn't hold because they finish on Saturday and Friday. Yeah, somebody leaves, right? Yeah. I don't know. Unless they're but having a known meeting on Sunday, and that's why they're all showing up. And we often get that up here. I'll say, why is, why is there 20 Cavaliers here today and there's only two yesterday? And mm -hmm. Elaine Whitney will say, well, because we're having a meeting this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, right. Ooh, and, and, what happens, and what happens with social media is people will say in their little Facebook group, hey, let's build the major at, you know, who yeah. find God's Kennel Club Saturday. And that's cool. And they all come and they get their major because they're hard to find, even though you only need to be three dogs to get one. 
<laughs> and 50% of the breeds. Who knows? Hey, speaking of, of um, sporting breeds and listeners, I had a wonderful message uh, from a, a, a Vizsla judge who I really respect and breeder who said, we talked about uh, top lines last week and I talked about a five-part top line in uh, five-piece. There's different ways to express it. And um, her comment, which I thought was really good, is, and we did say, you want to see it all flow together in one piece. But it could be confusing to some listeners. We don't sit there and go, okay, there's this part, then this part. And it better be all five parts. It's it's more components, was her word. Which is a great word, right? That is a good it's, word, yeah. Yeah, the components of a top line that should all fit together and flow. So for clarification. And those are the kinds of things that's great. I called her right up. Hey, let's talk about this. Give me some ideas. It was it, We had a great conversation about the breed. So, um, yeah, never stop learning. Always don't be oh, afraid definitely. to pick up the phone and call someone. Even though these days, Will, you have to schedule a phone call. Remember when you could just pick up a phone and call somebody? Yeah. And we didn't know who it was, so we picked it up. <laughs> yeah. Now you, gotta, you have to text them. And schedule a phone call. Can I call you in 10 minutes? Well, well no, I'm in, I'm in the middle of a... <laughs> it's true. You should just call and say you're in the middle of something. Or you can hear their, you know, you can hear their voice thinking, mm, I bet they're having dinner soon. It's or like something. when people use a knock on your door. Now yeah. you, you peek out the window to see who it is gun. before you just answer the door. <laughs> you turn the bouvier loose. Where's Clark? Clark, don't answer the door for me. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Um yeah, you, and around here in our little neighborhood, we do knock on doors. But usually we wait for you to be sitting on the porch because we all have these big oh, front porches. What you whittling today, by. Mr. Kavanaugh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. what am I whittling? A CEU. <laughs> um, but usually, you know, we have our dogs around here, so it's always a good excuse to stop and talk and chat. Stop and chat. Um, but yeah, there's this whole sense of um, community and reaching out to people that, we know, even if it's someone we don't necessarily respect, maybe they have a really good idea. And I have no problem. I have scheduled two phone calls uh, this week, one tonight and one tomorrow night, uh, talking about a breed. Two yeah. breeders, they're closely related, um, but they have varying opinions. Why wouldn't I want to talk to them about this? Um just questions about a rare breed, rareish breed. I think you need to broaden everything and, and know as much as you can, you know. Yeah. I, like I think we we grow up in the sport, so we have a general idea, but it's these breed specific things we need to learn. Everybody yeah. everybody does. It's just you can there are breeds that you can go to uh the advanced seminars in Orlando. That's three points. You do and this is also it's always for low entry breeds because they're I'm talking about five point breeds. You look at the three there. And then you do the whatever online video and you get two for that. That's all you need for those low entry breeds. I think that's horrible. Not that I want them to be 10 points or any number of points. No, but but yeah. people who have these low entry breeds, you know, American Water Spaniels, Boinkins, them just top of my head. They deserve every bit of your study as the other dogs. When people say, I just go judge them like any other dog. That's not fair to those breeds. No, those breeders, other breeds, we have a bank in our head of yes. what they look like. These new breeds, we do not. And I'll, I'll tell you, I sat at ringside, I went to with Kelly, Kelly Shop, about yeah. Spinonis, and we were watching. It was a good class of them. And she said to me this. She said, remember, it's a hinge, not a swayback. And mm -hmm. that makes a huge difference in your head. You know, a huge yes, difference. Yes, it does. I asked a breeder who was great uh, up in the New England specialty. She was terrific. 
a, a giant entry spinonia up there. And she said, uh, I said, have you ever seen one with too much hinge? Yeah. And she said, no, but I've seen one with, you know, too much of a sway back. So I always ask, is there a trend? Can you have too much of this or that? In Vizsla's, by, by the way, in Vizsla, the, my issue in that breeze, if it's too cumbersome and too heavy, that's not to go flying across the field at the energy that I see in no. Vizsla. But if it's too weedy and too whippity, that's an issue also. So finding that right mix. And I talked to that, the person that, that I talked to, uh, I talked to her about just that. Would you, which way would you err? Would you go, you know, would you, would you tolerate more of this or more of that? And that's the kind of conversation that we need to have. That's not in the standard. You can no. see moderate, right? Moderate. Okay. What do you mean by moderate? What's your take? I know what mine is because I'm going to come from function and field every time. Uh, if it's sporting or working or whatever it might be, their original function. So that helps me a little bit when it comes to substance, size, and shape. But in some of these breeds, like like I said, American Water Spaniels, Boinkins, uh, Field Spaniels, you need to do even more homework. Because you're right, Will. I never thought of it. We don't have that bank. No, we don't. It's uh, like I'm talking about the different sizes and visas. I remember showing to Mrs. Clark one time, and I had this dog... And I, I don't know why I was chatting to her, but then she said, I never liked these orange wine renners. She said, Yeah. <laughs> Boom. I guess I'm not winning. <laughs> yeah. I think I have a real, and maybe it's coming from English pointers, you know, pointer pointers, real pointers, that I'm so conscious about the subtleties to keep that breed that breed that I don't like. I don't like me a red wine renner either, Will. No. Uh, and it's so funny because that, that same era, Janie, Janie, I remember showing a, a golden Janie one time and she said, I hate these yellow Newfoundlands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that's funny. Mm-hmm. They, they both or have yellow that kind tollers. Of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or goldens that look like tollers too. And if you don't know, this is back to that root breed thing. If you don't know the breeds behind them or, or ones they can look like, you want them to not look like that. That's breed type. In, right. in, a, in, a, in a short summary sentence you want them to not look like their root breeds you want them to specifically look like their breed so you need to know the subtleties and the finer points of that breed to identify that and you know what another funny discussion is i see more of a type judge or a movement judge is there a difference no i find there's <laughs> there's type and movement as well you know yes of course there is i think about the pekingese think about the irish terrier i think you know yeah. those all have a definitive way of traveling around the ring chows chows yeah Yeah. even the setters i don't want to see an english setter move like an irish setter um there's subtleties and you have to know why and where someone was asking me about um dublin recently the dublin mountains just north of Dublin. well they're all over the place but um and i said if you've ever seen an irish setter run and i have across those peat bogs and all that open heather You'd understand the size, the length of back, the strength of back, all those things that are real important when it comes to that particular function. And their raciness compared to the other two setters. It's, you exactly. know, it's, it's all function. It is. It is based on geography. And yeah, we don't judge that. We don't, those dogs aren't in that geography now, but you're judging them from their original intention and where that function developed. And that's important. You, you, you would want a pointer over here that had a 12 o'clock tail, but they were developed in England 
where the cover is completely different, and even back to throwing nets rather than having flintlock guns, where you'd get the net stuck on the tail. I think we all know about that. But that's why you would, over here, in the field, you want a 12 o'clock tail. Over there, you want it this way. It was developed in that part of the world. You go with that, because that's what our standards are based on. And right. we can't start changing them to American fashion. You know, a lot of people have said to me, oh, they change these standards all the time to reflect what the people are breeding. Sometimes they do, but a lot of these standards haven't changed since day one. Uh, let's face it, standards may change, but history never changes. That's so true. go back and check your history. It's, it's like a trailing hound. Like I, I, I uh, It was always an issue when you, a certain dog would win with its tail now and it's supposed to be a trailing hound and uh like i, th I think about certain breeds that win i thought if my beagle carried his tail like that i'd never win <laughs> you know yeah, it's, it's the same idea you know even when beagles come back to the judge we expect them to have their tail right at 12 o'clock why yeah what's wrong with two o'clock What's wrong with the is fine. And when yeah. they're in rest mode like that, because they have kind of shut off their excitement because they're not moving now. They they right. might want the food, so they might have the tail. But mm -hmm. uh when when you see when I see AG resting, his tail's down. When of he's course. this morning when I opened the, the door up and he saw the rabbit out there and was screaming, I had to go yell at him because you know, wake everybody up. His tail was up. <laughs> yeah, right. And when I walk Olive, Olive, this is my daughter's dog, who I can brag about. Well, you gotta see her. I know you sent me a picture. She looks beautiful. But she's spayed, so we're not going to show her. Um, she had pyometria young, too, unfortunately. But she's the same way. She walks her tail at maybe 2 or 3 o'clock. But when she sees something else, you know, a, a rabbit or another dog or anybody, man, that thing cracks up and her back shortens three inches and she looks like a different dog. Oh, yeah. So you've got to really watch. Like these buggers yeah. went out this morning and they started, like they started doing the, the, the hound, the tongue of the hound i guess yeah. giving yeah. tongue and they were screaming all around my yard and then the rabbit went under the fence well they couldn't figure it out so aj jumped on the deck and stand and stood up because he knew that was the edge of the fence i'm like you're not thinking that <laughs> <laughs> get your butt down <laughs> yeah it's game on you know when i had the coon hound um sandy she was great talk about feral instinct man it was all about that oh, she knew so about hunting and eating and that's it it was, they're almost feral in that regard. They're so, but they've only been bred to hunt until recently. Now they were making them show dogs. Um, there was a great post by a friend of mine recently who posted pictures of dogs that won the night hunts, the UKC night hunts. And she just put a bunch of pictures up and said, I know they're not the prettiest painted as far as markings go. Look at these shoulders. Look at this hindquarter. Look at this top line. They have all the parts the standard talks about for function. They might not be pretty in the picture because they just kind of stand there with them. Might not might not have the most attractive markings, but these are the real ones. And if you haven't, if you're judging coonhounds in this country, and you've only seen the coonhounds that we have at AKC dog shows, you have no idea what a coonhound looks like. I'm sorry. You just don't. Yeah. You've got to go to a place where you can see hundreds of them that work that night in the field in the woods and then come back the next day and get up on the bench. You'll get a better idea of how they're supposed to be constructed. Again, low entry breeds. Are you putting your work in to really understand that breed? Instincts are an interesting thing because in, like I was talking about Jane going out there and he's, well, Clark the Bouvier just runs out there and, 
doesn't know what everybody's doing. But I'll tell you, if a coyote comes on the property, Clark starts stomping around and protect mm-hmm. like he, he those herding instincts come in right away and protecting instincts. He's yeah. he's unbelievable. He's fun yeah. to watch. Then he, you see, he almost I I send him off to um, Nancy Johnson, the groomer in uh, in Campbellville. She'll look after him all weekends when I go away. And she said she had him out back one time, and coyote started screaming. Well, he herded everybody up on the deck, and then he went to the bound, to the property line and stood there. Wow. She said it was totally amazing. Like, no one's ever taught him that. He just does it. It's so cool. Hey, we had an instance here in the news last week. A little girl, three years old, I believe, wandered off. This is up north in Michigan where it's heavily rural and wooded. Um, This three-year-old was with the parents, and um, her dad said, you need to go get some shoes or a coat or something. And she walked into the house, went out the other door, and took off. Don't know if it's intentional or what happened, but she ended up three miles away in the woods. Wow. And they went on this crazy freak out search immediately. It happens to the best parents who are right there all of a sudden, you know, you got to watch them. Yeah. Well, they have a Rottweiler and a Springer, this couple. Couldn't find the dogs either. They found the little girl. She's fine, not a scratch on her. Using the Springer as a pillow, Sound asleep with the Rottweiler standing guard. How cool is that? That is, and it's true. Uh, we had a Briard bitch that we specialed, and when, when Liam was born, Liam was her baby, and she stood. If someone knocked on the door, she went over to the baby's room and stood there. It was, yeah. it was incredible, incredible. Well, this and the Roddy ended up hearing somebody on a four wheeler or something, and ran barking, barking, and then barked all the way back to the baby and said, here, she's over here. Here she is. Yeah. yeah if you're nice. a nice guy, I'll let you touch her. If not, you're going to die. But, right. <laughs> but um, it was so wonderful. And the Roddy was, it was a beautiful bitch and she was so kind and smart and loyal. And uh, it's a great story. We, we just forget when we're in the ring judging or breeding or showing, we need to really remember the character of these breeds. Oh, of each breed. And, and, and it's, it's important how you approach them too. They're characters, you know. They, you got to know how to approach an Afghan because they're they're nearsighted or or farsighted. I mean, and same thing with with Rottweilers. And you just need to be, be aware or cautious and aware, I guess. You know. Yeah, I want to see. It can be a beautiful, especially European pointing breeds, or or most all of the pointing breeds, really, um, as opposed to setting breeds. I want to see them about to burst out of their skin. I want to see them so on their toes. If you see a beautifully made whatever just standing there, you're like, that's nice, but he's going to have the heart and soul to go out there and work yeah. all day. And I so want funny. to see them about to burst out of their skin right on the edge. I, one time I was talking to Kenny Murray, our friend Kenny Murray, friend of the show, Kenny Murray. Yes. And we were, he was talking about short hairs. And he ended up putting this dog up and he said because he was so birdy and you could tell that he was tense and he was going to, he could tell he was a working dog. And yeah. he explained it just like that. It was out of his skin. He was he, just the birdiness of him was, it was, you couldn't help but not look at him. And that is in the standard. If you read your general descriptions, that is in the standard. Those things are, and character is every much important as a hind quarter or anything oh, else. Sure, it is part you of breed type again. You know, it's part yeah. of breed type. It is. You lose how, that how instinct, they... you lose that character, and you don't yeah. have that breed anymore. You just have a statue of that breed, a carving of the breed. It doesn't do anybody any good. But it's just like with the, with the whole free stack thing, you know. 
<laughs> would you really want a bass hound to go out and nail it and cock its head and get its tail up? That's not what they do. They no. are trailing out. Bring the bastard out here and just let it stand there. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's this look? Then you get the odd showman that just puts on a show and you think, oh, right. where'd that come from? And the people and, are like, yay, that's yeah. so great. Mm, that's not so <laughs> Better ask Brian Martin. <laughs> yeah, it's fun for a handler, but uh, that's yeah. about it. You know? exactly. But right. how many dogs do we have that do that, right? That, oh, uh, I've seen so many dogs that as a handler, I think, oh, I'd love to show that dog. Mm-hmm. Do I want that dog? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. And some of those same breeds that are on their toes and electric all the time, you don't necessarily want to live with them, but that's not what they were bred for either. You know, you've got to be, I had a neighbor who got a short hair, uh, field trout short hair, and I thought, mm, and I know these people and they're not doggy. Uh, this thing's not going to last at all. It wanted to go, and their yard is like, yeah. I thought, mm, this particular dog, great dog for somebody else. Great. Not for them. And, you know, we have to do a better job. At, I had a neighbor years ago who wanted a Kuvas. I said, call the Kuvas Club of America. They said, what's your situation? And they had two kids, and they said, no, can't have one. <laughs> When they described their lifestyle, their yard, their house, their kids, they said, no, you can't have one. But they didn't say you shouldn't have a purebred dog. They gave recommendations on other breeds mm-hmm. to go look at. That's the way you do it. You don't chase them away so they go buy a doodle. Right. You say, these are, and I forget the list of breeds they gave them, and they did get one. This was 40 years ago. I don't really remember. But I remember them getting this list of breeds and showing me, and I said, you're on the right. That's a great list for you. Contact those clubs and see where you can get. And I forget what they ended up getting. I think maybe a golden. Yeah, I think it was. But it was way better for their family situation. You're just not doing anybody any disservice. You just hang up on him and say, you're not. No, you're not getting one of those. You're not worthy. You shouldn't have a purebred dog. (laughs) We're not worthy. We're not worthy. I own my breed. I'm going to make every decision for the entire planet. No one can breed but me. (laughs) And we had some people like that, you know. Some? Shut people down. I interviewed Susan Fraser this week, and she's from Bibolo Standard Poodle. She's iconic. Yeah. Bibolo's Tall, Dark, and Handsome was reserved oh. best in show at Crufts. Oh, the same year, The same year that the Lakeland Dog went best in show, and then the Lakeland Dog came to America and went best in show at Westminster. I watched that video yesterday, and it's amazing. Then the haircuts obviously changed, and the presentation yeah. has changed. But the dog itself, you could see how athletic he was. You knew he could do his job, you know. And um, it was a wonderful, wonderful interview with Susan. She's still showing dogs. I didn't ask how old she is, but she's older. This this yeah. was 67 when her dog was reserved best show at Crufts. And uh, she started in... She, at one point, I asked her, well, what year was that, Susan? I tried to figure it out. And it was, yeah. well, that'd be, I think it was early 40s. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she expressed how things were, how yeah. things, how when you bought it, when she wanted to buy a dog, she went to a kennel and they offered her all these dogs. And she, she said, well, I fell in love with, you have to listen to the interview, I fell in love with this bitch that was incontinental and I just loved her. Well, you can have her. Well, it was their bitch that just won at PCA, winner's bitch at PCA, but because they wanted this little Canadian girl to advance in the breed, well, you mm-hmm. can take her. I'm not going to yeah. use her now, so you take her. And it, yeah. it became her foundation bitch. No. We don't do that anymore. No. And it's 45-page contract. You need back every other puppy named Bob. Uh, please. Uh, the stories were just, she talked about 
taking the train to Guelph, which is an hour from Toronto, taking yeah. the train to the dog show, and then having to get there in time at 10 o'clock so the vet could see the dog before you were allowed on the property. That's right. gotcha. it's, it's, yeah. This was incredible. I had such a good time. And then when she told me I could find out, I could watch the 1967 Best in Show at Crufts, on YouTube, BBC, Google, BBC, Cruft 67, best in show. And up comes the two dogs, the Lakeland and the Standard Poodle, and they talk about it. And she said, there's a couple in there where they have their fingers crossed, and the little girls, he said, that's not me. That was just used <laughs> <laughs> to make it seem like me. <laughs> you know, um, I remember that dog vividly. You know where his feet and elbows were, Will? Under his weathers. Yeah, exactly. Weathers, elbows, feet on a poodle. She told me a story. She took him, she brought him home. She let him loose. He was always loose. He was a, one of those dogs. Well, he got skunked. Oh, well, she said they, and the dog show was tomorrow. Oh, and back then they had a ton of hair. It wasn't the top nut they had, but they had the big, heavy jackets. Mm -hmm. And she, she went with the, the, the tomato juice recipe. Well, that kind of coat. And you're, you're back then she was in an apartment, I guess, or I don't know what she was, but she used her bathtub to rinse them out. She never got all the tomato juice out. Well, it, it got crusty underneath them, right? He still went best in show. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the judge was a tomato farmer from Iowa. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it reminds me of home. <laughs> it smells good. But I, was, that, I always yeah. pronounced it wrong. I was in Bibelot's Tall Dark Dance, and she went, it's actually Be Below. Be Below is Tall Dark. I always said Bibelot's too. Yeah. Mm. What a wonderful was a and she's still showing miniature poodles. You know, that's great. What a great name for a dog for a black standard poodle, yeah. too, right? Tall, dark, and handsome. Tall, dark, and handsome. Yeah. yeah. There were great. some other dogs that had done quite a bit of winning, and I brought up the name Bill. What about what about a big bird? Oh, I just sold him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he won multiple best in shows. <laughs> he wasn't good enough for me. Yeah. I you kept know, his little sister. She was better. <laughs> you know, the thing is, well, we can talk about these dogs and remember them vividly. And back to your back to what you said before about having a bank of, of pictures in our head and how those low entry breeds, we just don't have them. Same is true with new breeds. Uh, and we sure have a lot of those. Uh, 52 yeah. in the last 20 years. Absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, uh, we don't, and, and I um, welcome those breeds. That's lovely. But it's hard for judges to have, we've never seen a Ufangatsangula hound. Right. So what do you expect us to do? We're going to look at the one that you have that's pretty and figure, well, that might be the right kind. And then all of a sudden you go to the, one of the countries that developed the breed and you're like, Wait a second. Yeah. Doesn't look anything like the one over there. And, and even, we're when you, to... even when you Google the history, they're so general about it, you can't figure it out. Yeah. It's not yeah. like the Howell books that went deep and told you, mm -hmm. you know, where this started. Yeah. yeah. The Howell books, by the way, Ellsworth Howell, one of the greatest settermen and just gentlemen and wonderful dogman of its time. I just happened to see a picture, a wind picture with him uh, presenting. He wasn't the judge. He was presenting a trophy. Thought, man, that goes way back. Every breed had a hat. Well, most breeds, there's only a hundred back then. Now there's two hundred. He he would be too busy. But most breeds had a breed book by Ellsworth Howell, and, and they were wonderful. They were, they were good terrific. reads too. They yeah. were good breeds. You, yeah. they were they captivated you. Yeah. He was a great editor. He would have you pretty much write the book for him, and then he would edit it. So he always picked a breeder or or a few. 
and they they didn't pay him much anything, a couple hundred bucks, because there was lots of editing to do, lots of research, photo gathering, that kind of thing. They were so worth it. They were great. Oh God, yeah, I, I I I love just going through them and reading a chapter here and there just to refresh yourself. The best breed book I've ever read is the Magnificent Irish Wolfhound. I hope that's the name of it. Um, something about Magnificent Irish Wolfhound. You can't buy them. They're six hundred bucks if you can find them. It is so in depth, everything from kennel care to, you know, worms to all the great dogs from all over the world. We don't have a lot of those breed books anymore. It takes too much time. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I wanted before we, uh, it's getting close to our time here, but I wanted to say one thing, and I know we haven't talked about hockey yet, but you know what? This week marked history in the NHL. Jessica Campbell, was the assistant, who is the assistant coach of the Coachella Valley Firebirds, is making history as she, or made history as she will be the first woman to be behind the bench at an NHL, on the NHL coaching staff during the Seattle Kraken game against the Flames. So she was the assistant coach at the Kraken game against the Flames this week. That's the first one behind the bench of an NHL. That is amazing. That is so cool. Congratulations, Jessica. Women's that. hockey in the in the um, internationally. There's Jessica been Campbell. so Jessica much. Campbell. Did I say Simpson? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Um, and I, you don't. You probably don't know this, but uh, the K Wings, our ECHL team here, uh, we have a new goalie, and it's a woman. Well, and. She had a PTO, that's a professional tryout, and she was in camp and they signed her. So we oh, now, cool. and she's really good. She's played all over Europe, but she's really good. And um, why not? You know, well, we just not? started the Women's um, Professional Hockey League. It's just started this year. They had yeah. their first draft this year. So they're going to vent. It's so good for them because now they get the ice time they deserve. It was so hard to get the ice time mm-hmm. to prepare for the Olympics, the World Championships. Exactly. But now they're going to make some money and do the sport they love and have the ice time to keep up their sport. Their and crowd. I think now that I think of my ESPN reel, there was a first woman who played a position. I think it was college football, but she, usually it's the it's the kicker, right? The place kicker that's the woman. Yeah. This was not. This was a wide receiver or somebody. Or a, wow. <laughs> yeah. She and she had it. You know, uh, had a shift. We don't say that in football, do we? Will I don't know what football and hockey. It's easy. Had a shift. <laughs> and your football and that football thing. I don't know. Y'all. Every autumn is men running each other and there's a football or something. But there's hockey, damn it. Men on skates. Those football guys play 16 games a year. Is yeah. NFL Nancy football, Will? I mean, come on, 16 uh, games a year. Just remember what Don yep. Cherry says. In <laughs> hockey, you can't go out of bounds. <laughs> hey, love football, too. And how Probably, about this Detroit I Lions? Love, I love our Argos this year. Yeah, the Lions finally, after 400 years of, of desperation, may have a football team this year. Actually, I'm a fair-weather Lions fan, so I've watched them now that they're good. But trying to uh, find a name. Like, I know it seems like I'm doing something wrong, but I'm trying to find a name before I forget. Uh, we'll do it next week. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, um, anything else, Will? Because we had a lot of things we kicked around. What about some of the things that Freddie... Had on the menu. Um, oh, Freddie talked about um, expanding our audience. That's what he talked about. So I'm going to talk more about him because Freddie, you know, when you're when you're on social media like this, two old guys like you and I, we don't have a clue. Right. <laughs> so you have to ask somebody young, which yeah. 
direction to go. So. And Brody's been developing a lot. You need someone who who knows how to, you know, what we said earlier, reset their microwave time. And um, we hope to get better. Your your uh, suggestions and comments are very welcome. Yes. Love the, love we'll, the messages. We'll take them because we're, I'm telling you, technology peak with frozen pizza here, guys. So, like, help <laughs> us out. You know? and, we, and we often will do, if you send us an email or a message, we may not get back to you electronically that day, but we'll talk about it on the air. Right. You know, that's how we answer some of the questions. I so. wanted to talk about, we don't have time today because the show is almost over, but for next week, I want to talk about records i want us to i want us to talk sit down and talk about records because i hear these things that's the greatest winning microphone greatest best in show winning microphone but the one before that had half the best in shows and that microphone had double the points i don't know exactly. how you as you put an asterisk beside them you know like does you know the same with the reserve best in show counting does it how do we how do we navigate that now for records I yeah, think, we have two systems, one with re, who counts reserve, that's one yeah, that doesn't. Well, up here, well, reserves count all the time, so. Yeah, and, you know, of course, you've you've also got 10 billion shows now. So with that record, you know what I would like to see? Next to the to the rankings, the average number of dogs defeated per show. Right. I'll go back if you've and got 100 best in shows and your average is 300 dogs, or if you've got 50 best in shows and your average is 1,500 dogs, I'll like go back know. and look at Colonel's record. He won 100 best shows. In what time? Did he win 100 best shows in 3,000 shows, 200 shows, 150 shows? If it was 150 shows, let's see some other dog do that before they say they're better than Colonel. You know? <laughs> On a percentage basis, he probably won 80% of the shows. He probably yeah, won the best exactly, show. Exactly. And there weren't many of them. Uh, we have as many shows as he won in a year, probably every weekend now. So what the hell difference is? How can yeah. you compare those records? So it's, it's a topic I want to talk about. And if you yeah. have any ideas, you people out there, send us some comments. Yes. And talk yes. about it next week. Sounds like a plan. Young William, I'll see you in a couple of days, bud. I know. Drive yeah. in tomorrow, man. And I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Dinner Thursday see. night or Friday night or something like that. No. We judge Thursday. we judge Friday and tomorrow's Thursday. I have yeah. to travel tomorrow. So yeah. yeah. You're heading right out, right? Well, I'm gonna stay and watch you judge. Yeah, but I mean for the weekend. You just going home for Saturday and Sunday? You have yeah, yeah, I've got things to do here. Not often yeah. I get a Saturday Sunday off, so I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna use it here. I'm gonna do some some work in the house. So get some knitting done. Get some knitting done. I'm gonna get knitting. some knitting done, and I'm worried about my my uh, aluminum collection. Yes, yes. For Gavin out to get there, your... Captain Aluminium, <laughs> and get your uh, <laughs> Halloween costume ready. Yeah. Oh, no, I just close up all the lights and <laughs> do not enter, put police tape all around the house. <laughs> My poor brother, you know, he's lived in a place where no one would dare in rural, rural, no one would ever go up that driveway. You're going to get eaten by a bear. And now we have him in a neighborhood where there's 10,000 kids. It is going to be culture shock. He's 76 <laughs> years old. He hasn't had trick or treaters in his life. Yeah, and I don't he's get to be here either. So, yeah. Yeah. We, we don't get them in our little community, but, uh, well, we do. We get the grandkids of the three or four houses that live around us. That's about it. But used to be the Halloween's coming up. I love Halloween, all the movies. So. Yeah, people with dogs really love Halloween. Every time a kid rings the doorbell or knocks on the door, all your dogs, 
It's the worst. <laughs> having dogs and having Halloween, not a good mix. Not a good mix. I might move. I might go get a hotel room for the weekend. I don't know. Anyway, there you have it, bud. Start stringing your popcorn for Christmas. It'll be here before, you know, at least according to the stores, it's going to be here oh, tomorrow. You know, the so. stores go to Walmart. It's already Christmas. <laughs> yeah. No, no more Halloween. Already Christmas. Anyway, we haven't. Uh, don't start me. Anyway, but I will see you in a couple of days. Right. Um, again, keep sending those those uh, questions and comments. We enjoy them. Love them. Really appreciate them. They really help out. And yeah. everybody stay safe out there, and we'll see you down the road. No way. Way. Better be paying attention, Doc. Thanks for the answer. <laughs> Ernie can use it in the blooper reel. That's right. We love you, man. <laughs> Don't put that in, Ernie. <laughs> Quit taking yourself so damn seriously. I'm falling Some extraordinary data things that are being done around the world. Oh, thanks, 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 Ernie. We didn't mention hockey. Isn't that unbelievable? This is good. We're going to be here in a second, Wayner. Don't lose it, Doc. Hot. Hot. Don't use that one, Doc. Don't use that one, Doc.